welcome to episode number 308 of Destination Linux. Destination Linux is a video podcast from the Text Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Jill. I'm Brian. And I'm Michael. And on this awesome episode of Destination Linux, we're going to discuss open source hardware and the important part it plays in our future. Then we discuss the dangers of using VS Code. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks. All this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux to keep those penguins marching. This week in our community feedback, we have some feedback from Isaac. And if you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch, or you can send us a message on our discourse forums as well. And you know, we hang out on Discord sometimes. If you want to get with the community, game with the community, chat about Linux, go to tuxdigital.com slash discord. Isaac goes on to say, hi, Tux Digital gang. I've been listening to DL since before I switched to Linux about a year and a half ago. And I've since branched out to all the podcasts on the network. That's how Fantastic. you do it. That's the pro move right there. If you're exactly. a pro, you're watching all the podcasts on the network. Yeah. You can find me as Short Film Tall People on the forum. I like the name. I've started out as a freelance journalist of sorts, interviewing people I think would be interesting, mostly in the middle Texas area, and putting their stories on my channel, Unordinary People. I've been using all the Libra software to record, edit, and create graphics of the podcast and wanting to branch out into doing some remote interviews. Although everyone on the network could be considered unordinary by my definition, I'm particularly interested in Ryan's history. He's just such an amazing host, this and I'm so interested like in everything he says <laughs> and does, and Ryan. every time he's speaking, I hang on every word. Fair enough. You read a lot that right there. It wasn't yeah. actually in the email, but I do appreciate the fact that you were able to like ad lib, you know, ad so much okay. about what his well, email was. Because I'm pretty here's sure it was a Isaac, different person. I think it was Isaac Michael. Really he said say. interested in what Michael's history and computers and animation and and all the all the graphic work that I do. It was definitely and the me. amount of audio. No, you might have been. I mean, I, it could have been both of us. I think that's what really <laughs> happened. They want to interview both of us. That's probably what. Yes, well, let me like, just read it verbatim here. I was just going oh, off okay. memory there. I'm particularly interested in Jill's history. Oh, that's computers. okay. That's different. That's different. 3D animation and work in the movies, as well as her current role with the Linux chicks and teaching 3D animation. If she would be willing to give me an interview over video chat, I would love to help tell her story. Thank you guys for all the work you do, Isaac. Well, listen, Isaac, uh, I think it's great to set goals. And we are willing to help you meet that goals for the low, <laughs> low speaking fee of $10,000. We will have Jill join your Unordinary People Aww. podcast. And right, Jill? About ten grand. Is that the one, right? <laughs> yeah. oh, we could go a little lower than that. A little lower? Okay. okay, six grand. Six grand. That's yeah. We'll negotiate. Six grand. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're reasonable. Yeah. You know? You're getting Aww. told Jill's history? Come on. Man. I mean, that's... Thousands. I mean, I mean... <laughs> really, we should wish we do it. The, the, the six grand is actually a good deal because we should save it and only allow, allow Jill to tell the story on our show. That's it's like that. I think it's a fair deal right there. There you, you know? go. <laughs> well, what do you say, Jill? Aww. Are you going to go on Unordinary People? Yeah, absolutely. This sounds like so much fun. And, and thank you again, Isaac. I would be honored to talk to you. And I've actually already been in contact with him to do an interview soon. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, 
Wow. <laughs> Did you already get the check, Jill? Yeah, no, we gotta make sure you, get, you gotta get the money up front. At least yeah. 50, 50. 50 down, 50 when you do it, you know. <laughs> well, listen, we all talk about the fact that Jill needs to write a book, honestly. Like her life story is fascinating. It's amazing. And Agreed. I think it's awesome you want to interview Jill. Every time Jill does an interview, I tune in, learn something new, and then go, of course she did, because yes, exactly. of course she has. She's lived her life Every time she speaks, the way everyone I'm should live fascinated. the life. There's this great saying that I want to go to my grave sliding in sideways, all scarred up, going, woo, what a ride. And I feel like Jill's life Aww. story is like that. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, living life to its fullest. Do you know this episode, Michael, when you talk about living life to its fullest, you still want to be a little safe and secure. Like, you don't want to just be completely on the That's edge. true. That's true. How would you do that, Ryan? Well, you got to have a good password manager in your life. Oh, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I use? Uh, I've, I've heard about it before. I mean, we've talked about this on a, a, occasionally, just rarely, but you could enlighten our audience. What, what would that be? Well, if I was an audience member and I wanted mm -hmm. to live life on the edge, but not with my password Safely security. on the edge with like hooks exactly. and into They're the like cliff. They're like a parachute yeah. of software. Go to bitwork.com slash tux. That's slash T-U-X. Password manager software allows you to have peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you the tools to store all your passwords in secured vaults, auto-generate those passwords and usernames for you, and even automatically fill that in for you. You have access to your data across all kinds of devices, web browser, mobile apps, desktop applications, and if you are one of those command line gurus, then you can even use it in the command line as well. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device. You know they're the only person with access to your data. Plus, if you want their premium service, it comes with all kinds of cool things. Gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, which is how I use it. Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, $10 per year. No inflation gate here. I mean, $10 is like what eggs cost now. So $10 a year, you get Bitwarden Premium, you get this amazing software, and if you've seen all the other password managers in the news, then you know why you want this amazing software here exactly. and not those. Go to Bitwarden, have peace of mind, bitwarden.com slash T-U-X, check them out. So we talked about CES 2023 on Hardware Addicts. When we talked earlier about Isaac listening to all our podcasts, one of the great podcasts, mm -hmm. Michael and Wendy and myself are part of as Hardware Addicts. We talk about all kinds of tech and our tech adventures for the week. So definitely one you want to add to your player. We covered CES, lots of cool things, robotics, all of that stuff. But there was one piece of technology, Michael, that you brought to my attention that I purposefully left out of Hardware Addict. I was worried. Like, why did I pick a wrong thing? Like, why is this not on the... Th I thought it was a good topic. And then all of a sudden... It's on this show, which is this show. so nice. Well, it was kind of brilliant because it was all this hardware tech, but it has this open source story to it, which was why I feel like it's perfect for this show. For sure. That is Cooler Master. And what they're doing is they're trying to get rid of the non-standard proprietary bloatware that they've used in the past and other companies use for their software control suite. So for instance, if you have fans or all-in-one coolers and things that have RGB or you want to control the RPMs and stuff, you would have to go into, say, Windows to control all of that stuff. And then maybe if Ew. you boot it into Linux, then you would use uh, yeah. some of hacked mm -hmm. software. Somebody was able to reverse engineer it. Or maybe there was no control at all that you would have. You'd have to leave whatever default you would set in Windows there. But Cooler Master is envisioning yep. something completely different. 
which is awesome. And I love that they're doing this. But it also started making me think about the wider community of peripherals and things that we have here and how important this movement with hardware could be. Now, I want to set the stage that PCs right now and PC part manufacturers are hurting really bad, like really bad. If you look at NVIDIA, AMD, Intel, they're all suffering to try to get sales right now because it's completely in the tank. And so during these type of times when things like this happen, you want to differentiate yourself from your competition, which is exactly what Cooler Master is doing here is differentiating yes. themselves from everybody else, which I think is a brilliant move and happens to benefit the open source community as well. But think about it. You've got keyboards. How many times is there a cool keyboard that gets announced at an event or something else? And the first thing us Linux users are doing is going, well, will I will be able to control in it in Linux? <laughs> Does it work yeah. in open RGB? <laughs> exactly. Will it work yeah. or just allow you to Like in this case, I'm more excited because a lot of the times where we would get these devices that have some level of Linux support, they'd have like minimum support and it's a third party thing. So there's only so much you could do with it. Like you can change the colors, but you can't change like the style the color, color goes in. Also, you can't change the functionality of the buttons and stuff like that. So I'm using a mouse that has support for an open source um, application. And it's great that I can change certain things, but the stuff that I wanted to change, it doesn't have support yet. Exactly. And this yep. is a reason I would absolutely, without hesitation, get a Cooler Master product guaranteed. 100%. Mm -hmm. And then you look at your mouse, it's the same situation. There are a lot of great mouse uh, options out there for gaming and other things, mm -hmm. but we don't know if all the software will be able to control the DPI if it's not on the hardware itself, whether we'll be able to do that in links. Now, a lot of times the community goes down there, we're talking monitors as well, cooler software, all of this stuff you have those potential issues that happen, especially as more of these components that we don't think typically, do I really need a software suite that comes with my monitor? Yeah. Well, if you're doing color calibration and other things, is they're adding all these other enhancements? 100%. Eventually the answer is yes. Uh, like Michael said, you do need this stuff. And what happens is our community has to reverse engineer and hack this stuff to get it to work. Mm -hmm. And that takes a ton of time. So even though Cooler Master didn't specifically say here, we're gonna make our software suite available for Linux, because it's open source, we don't have to yes. reverse engineer it. That's the big key to be able to utilize that software within Linux. So it's gonna be much more adaptable. I hope they make it for Linux, don't get me wrong, but yeah. Yeah. The, just the fact they're open sourcing it is a big, big deal and improvement on yeah. where it's at. People say often that if you don't want to support Linux, that's okay. But as long as you do it open source, we'll, we'll accept it because we're going to make it work then. Exactly. And that's a very common approach in the Linux world. So I am I know that they haven't said specifically Linux support, but that's okay because the open sourcing of it is really what matters because yeah. it's almost a guarantee at that point where we will have support we'll have sometime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think- That's why the community is awesome. Yeah. Just awesome. And what one of the things I was amazed about this is that Cooler Master is actually doing a complete redesign of their Master Plus software with an API plugin system yes. that allows non-Cooler Master coolers to integrate with it. <laughs> That's so impressive. This is huge. Yeah. Now you're this creating a standard. Absolutely huge. Right? You're, yeah. you're setting a standard to say, not only are we going to open source our software, we're going to allow other people who are not Cooler Master to also piggyback on it so that our software suite will then control those as well. So they're they're picking up all of the heavy lifting 
And if you're a smaller company that's creating coolers and things, you can benefit from the work Cooler Master has done. But us as a consumer all benefit because whether you're buying that one from that other company, you're buying Cooler Master, you can still be able to change things, fan speeds, RGB lights, all of that type of stuff, or set up cooling profiles, which is really important depending on the workloads and stuff that you're doing Mm -hmm. with your machine. Yeah, and exclusive uh, Cooler Master features actually won't work with other coolers, of course, Uh, but things such as detecting a leak in the AIO cooler or calculating the PSU's efficiency, it can't be tracked by third-party products, but the application will support reading basic performance info, such as what Ryan said is temperature and fan speed and the ability to configure ARGB devices. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. Very powerful. I think that a lot of people aren't really like aware of how impactful this is because I'm pretty sure this is the first company that makes these kind of products to create an open source application that allows them to configure these things. I mean, in addition to supporting other devices from other companies, that's also impressive. But the open source approach, I think this is the first time I've ever seen any of these companies do it. And they all have these application suites and they're all like super cumbersome and annoying and really hard to use. And they're not only making it open source, they're redesigning the whole thing. So they're optimizing it as well. So, I mean... I was never really a fan of Cooler Master in terms of I never really had the incentive never to try their fan. products. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. Yeah, I didn't do that on purpose, but I I'm glad you noticed it. Uh, the, the Cooler Master company has had uh, I've used some of their products, but I've never really like gone out there and said, "Oh, I need to get a Cooler Master." Now that yep. is the case. Well, I, that's one of the reasons why I think it's such a smart move. I mean, it's the same with me. Like, it's not a brand that I avoided but it's also not a brand that i just went and was like i'm going to get a cooler master now it will be that brand that i go hey i'm going to go get a cooler master setup because of the work that they're doing here and again they're they're spending their money to redesign an entire software suite which is very expensive hiring the developers and making it open they're giving it to the community the wider community there and when companies do stuff like that i think we need to support them it's very cool also when i look at things like even my sony camera like Me and Michael, if you're on Hardware Addicts, and Wendy, talk about how much we love the mirrorless Sony camera. Well, they have this setup to basically, one of the things we talked about last episode is I wanted to be able to wirelessly send my photos from my camera to my computer. One of the things that Sony puts behind proprietary software is literally just setting up a Wi-Fi connection. That's all it does. I know that's all it does because I found somebody who reversed engineered it in Linux so I could get their proprietary software to work in Linux that basically Mm. says, hey, all this is doing is capturing Wi-Fi information and storing it in the camera. But they purposefully make this thing proprietary, doesn't need to be, and those are the type of hardware decisions and companies I want to move away from. And with hardware companies suffering like they are right now, man, what a smart move for Cooler Master to go out there and say, hey, we're going to do something completely different and utilize open source to accomplish that. I love that they're kind of setting a standard at the same time, but also giving everyone full creative control through the API links as well, which is really neat. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. And Ryan, I was just um, just thinking about this as you're you're talking about it, is that they're now starting to get into making a full-blown PCs. Yes. And, and this is really good news because if they're open sourcing that software... 
Maybe, maybe they're they're maybe. thinking you know long term. Maybe some Linux in there. <laughs> Let's hope. You never know. Right? Fingers Let's crossed. Hope. If our community comes in and gives them the hug of death, like they did to me when I first did my thirty days of Linux, and I got the hug of death from the Linux community, and I was like, yeah. well, I guess I'm Linux now because y'all came around all of a sudden. Uh, if we did that to Cooler Master, yeah, they might start. Yeah. Making it. And I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about uh, Linux's uh, dominance at CES. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, Linux, yes, is the dominant operating system on the floor of CES. You know, whether it is in the Eureka Park exhibit, featuring which features startups and makers, to the main floor with the car booths to smart refrigerators and TVs. So now Linux and open source are finally making it to the major PC manufacturers. Woo, woo, this is just This is what we all dreamed about. It's the year of it's, Linux. Oh, yeah, I know what people hate yeah. when they say that. We're getting closer to no. the year of the Linux desktop. You know? There you go. So. Yeah, I mean, we, we're, the year of Linux, we passed that a while back. Yeah, yeah. So we the did. The desktop Absolutely. is the thing they were still working on. Well, I'm hoping that other manufacturers follow uh, a suit like MSI and Razer and Logitech. In fact, at one point a few years ago, Razer reached out to me and was interested in having me uh, test some of their hardware with Linux software. So I think, nice. you know, they're they're starting to think long term about, about these things and how important Linux is in the community with developers and creators. I have attended the technological playground that we call CES before and Comdex before that. Those those two conventions of course you actually have to. merged. No, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's been actually been amazing seeing the growth of Linux and open source at the event over the years. But I actually have one ask for Cooler Master, since we're talking about their open source awesomeness. Could you please have a Linux pre-installed option on your new awesome Shark X PC? Ooh. Mm. I want that beautiful and unique PC shaped as a shark. It looks like a robotic shark that's jumping up out of water, and it's uh, uh, white with uh, black internals. It just it looks amazing, and it's unique. Nice. And you know, Cooler Master, if there's no Linux on this computer, you have jumped the shark. <laughs> oh, Jill. Jill, nice. Jill, Jill. Look, look at that. Throwing that reference in there. Look, this yeah. machine is is really cool looking. I love when people do unique custom cases. You, you see them. There's forums and things dedicated to this. And when companies go out and do it, they usually take some risk, but not a ton. I don't know whether I love this case or it, it's also yeah. a little odd to me, but it's definitely, they took risks. I will yes. give them that. It is a very unique take on a computer case. I think it would be cool for something that's definitely meant to get your attention, which it did. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, that it would have Linux on it too and talk yeah. about that. That would be really neat for the Linux community. But whether it's time for you to start building a new PC or upgrading your existing one. To me, this made me a fan of Cooler Master when you can use oh, yeah. open source software mm -hmm. to control your hardware. And so that's what I will be checking out. And what a novel idea to really give the community back control of things in a world in which everybody else is taking it away. Even car manufacturers yeah. locking basic features behind yes. paywalls and things like that. Now, this show, we would never sink to that level. However, never. we did think about putting Jill behind a paywall because <laughs> it just makes financial yeah. sense. It just like, makes sense, yeah. You guys can't have Jill anymore until you open a bunch of loot crates and then we you unlock her 
later on. We're, how we're, we're working out for the each, details. How we're going to do each individual show with each with cameras embedded into the video. We're, we don't, we haven't just figured that part out yeah. yet, but we're we're working on it. But in the meantime, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute and become a patron and get all the other perks that are like basically like DLCs and stuff like that. Like being able to join us for the live streams like in the patron-only post show as well. So much great stuff. Tuxdigital.com slash contribute. Speaking of things that are that are fantastic, this Cooler Master thing, I am very excited about this because I I like uh, when I've tried their stuff, I I like it, but at the same time, I always have to like kind of be disappointed because I can't really configure anything. And mm -hmm. now that that they're doing this open source thing, this is such a game changer. This is, I mean, we should make it clear how big of a difference this should make because yeah. they're they're not like some random company here and there making some hardware that and they're oh they're making software for it. They're a big manufacturer of these peripherals that is going to be making open source software. One of the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is going to give incentive to other companies to follow suit, probably because they're going to see the benefits that Cooler Master is going to get from it from all the Linux users are now super interested in checking out their hardware. And the other ones are losing it. Like, for example, I have a different product for my mouse that I am considering to sending back now because of this announcement. Even if I have to wait a little bit to get the software, it is better than having the option of like, I guarantee you that the other company I got the product for now is has no interest in making it right now. So at least yeah. the the hope that it's coming is enough for me to switch. So I can't, and also the prices are not that huge. It's not like a huge investment, but I wanted to also bring out something in the chat, in the live chat. Uh, Liam says, so you're saying there's no more hating good products due to the bad software? Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or you know what I saw in the chat, Michael, is that Serpent OS being created by Ike is in the chat. Mm -hmm. And who can get all the Cooler Master products once the software is open source to work in Linux? Better than Ike? Come on. <laughs> Ike yeah. could totally get yeah, all of the Cooler Master stuff working. Probably in his spare time <laughs> in about an hour or two. Now that's that's undersell. But yeah, you're yes, right. Maybe Ike three hours. Could totally do it. So yeah, we've got someone in the chat there. But you know, I heard this was like a year ago. Someone told us that Microsoft listens to our podcast in their engineering room. Like it, it plays in the room. Hello there, People, Microsoft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm hoping Cooler yeah. Master also listens to our show and will come on the show. So Cooler Master, if you have a representative who wants to come on the show to talk about this, we'd love Absolutely. to talk to you live about mm -hmm. the things that you're doing, why you made this decision. That'd be awesome. And uh, we'll dote on you a little bit too, because it's pretty cool. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about this is most of, be besides the... Uh, you know, Cooler Master, uh, Master Plus software, which is very good, even on Windows. Most of the other software on Ew. Windows to control Ew. the peripherals are horrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're very them clunky opening and the, yeah. slow. Sometimes uh, they actually require you to have them running in order to stuff for function. Yeah. It makes your system even more bloated. And to like, register yeah. and log in and all of this yeah. stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Whether, pain. you know, you're controlling fan speed or temperature or, or RGB. The, the software is just so kind of janky, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Very. open sourcing it could make it so much 
better. You know, <laughs> it's yeah, just going to make the community it, then can contribute. Know, the community can work yeah. on it and make it improve it so it, it's clean and fast and responsive, like the software we have on Linux. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what they probably are using because 70% of all developers are to make these changes to their code is VS Code. Yes, quite yeah. likely. And isn't there something that happened in the news, Ryan, about mm -hmm. this? Not so good news happening oh, yeah, with yeah. this right here. So <laughs> yeah. there's a company that was doing a security audit on this called Aquasec. Michael, you remember we were talking about one of the big security and privacy things we've told the community about is extensions and browsers. Oh, yeah, quite often. I mean, in any browser is going to have an issue with extensions, but mo they, the target of a browser they are aware that they are a target, so they usually put in some effort to stop that. It doesn't seem like VS Code has put in that effort. And for the, the Microsoft engineers who are listening to this show, you might want to put some effort into your extension protection. <laughs> well, they probably want to. They probably get shot down, I assume, by some superiors there. Okay, sorry. At big corporate Engineers, America. talk to the executives yeah. who <laughs> Tell them we're complaining about it on this show here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. So what's interesting is in browsers, a lot of people get really excited, like in Firefox, Chrome, whatever you're using, hopefully Firefox, uh, that you can install these cool tools and things in there. But extensions get spoofed. So one of the things they do in browser extensions is they'll create one like, for instance, let's say just as an example here, you block origin, someone creates another thing called you underscore block origin, and then they do some gaming and things to try to get the extension to look really popular. And then people download the wrong one and one's really good and the other one's actually stealing all your data and is really a virus and all that stuff. So what I tend to tell people is live with as few extensions as possible in your browser and make sure you double, triple check the developers and where you're getting that stuff from. It's a really easy target and it's a big target for them because if they can get people to install an extension and get into your browsing history and everything else, they've got a lot of control. Well, this is... this audit that was done on VS Code showed that the exact same thing can happen, but way easier in VS Code. So VS Code recognizes a lot of extensions. If you want to write Python and things, you can do extensions to, of course, do auto formatting of your text and do all kinds of fun, cool things in VS Code. But they found that it was extraordinarily easy to spoof other extensions, which are popular. So that means like making the same name extension, let's say the extension's Python, you name your extension also Python. And then it was also extraordinarily easy to make it look popular, even though it wasn't, meaning their system to was easy to manipulate to make a app look like it's got 80,000 downloads, for instance. And I don't know mm -hmm. about you, but that's one of the things that I look at as a criteria for an extension. I'm like, well, how many people have downloaded it? Mm -hmm. exactly. How many stars does it have? How then I look great. into, yeah. And if you can spoof that, then none of that now is information that's actually useful for you to decide if you're using the correct extension and not some spoof thing. They also stated that the verification system Microsoft has deployed is so easy to acquire that it's essentially worthless. So they have a verification mm. system, but pretty much anyone can go get verified. I guess it's uh. like the Twitter blue checkmark thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh. pay for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At this point... For anyone who's using VS Code, you need to make sure the extensions you have installed are the ones you actually wanted. Because the when I first heard about this, like of course there's going to be some kind of extension system that has 
you know, the, there's an issue sometime in many, sure. many applications. As no soon as they around. have, yeah, if you introduce an, an extension system and you have a market that people can submit to, you're going to have to deal with people who are awful and they're going to submit like terrible things. And I get that. So it's not to say that they made a mistake there. It's the level of how much they can pretend to be real is what mm-hmm. creates this really big problem. And I know Microsoft is already working on fixing this, but it's just something that is so impactful that if you are using VS Code, you need to make sure that you check out all of your extensions. And if you don't need some extensions, just remove them. And I will give Ryan credit that I did remove some extensions based on his recommendation of like, I don't need that many. And and then, so he he had a little bit of a panic attack the first time he saw my extension list. Insane, y'all. Yeah, he had about three or four, I think. And then my extension list was about 40. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and a little bit of a panic attack. Like, okay, fair enough. I'll I'll remove a few. But anyway, <laughs> this is something that I need everyone to check out of, you know, check, make sure that you have only extensions you need and you have the right ones. And if that's not something that you could do, there is also Sublime Text. That is an option. Oh, well, it's interesting you say that. <laughs> nice plug for Sublime Text. Thank you, thank you. Uh, but I want to say that really, if you're using any software that has an extension system or using third-party extensions, even Sublime Text, you need yeah, it to has definitely <laughs> do the same Do the same thing. Yeah. You need to be uh, make sure that you're actually going and verifying the developers. A lot of times they have info where you can go to the actual external side of the developers and try to see if this thing's spoofed. It's a lot of extra work, which if you actually do that extra work, you probably won't have many extensions in your browser because you don't want to spend all the time doing it. But anything is can be targeted through this. Why VS Code we're mentioning here specifically because 70% of all software developers use it. Use it, yeah. So if you are thinking from a deviant behavior situation where you want to be one of these people that can make the biggest impact and and steal IP or be able to impact a company in a big way, and you know that 70% of all software developers are using VS Code, that's what your target's going to be for spoofing an extension system, especially since, unfortunately, Microsoft has made it uh, very easy here. And like you said, Michael, hopefully they patch it very quickly. Likely they will yeah. now that this research is out, but something to be weary of for sure. Oh, this yeah. is scary. And I'm so happy to hear that Microsoft is starting to work on this. What I was, you know, one of the concerns I had was not only could the malware attackers name the extension exactly the same name as the legitimate one, but they could also use the same logo and description as the legitimate project. And, you know, we're, we're hum- as humans, we're visual. And that yep. is just, if you see the logo, oh, yeah, of course, you know, I'll accept it. You know, everyone's guilty of just, oh, they see a logo they know and click on it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's the amount of things they could do to trick you into believing it is. At yeah. some point, it just looked legitimate. It wasn't even like people mm-hmm. were tricked. It just, they looked legitimate because of all the things that you could do in the marketplace. I see this happen most often, honestly, in the Microsoft Store. The Microsoft Store is known for having a bunch of spoofed software. A lot of it is even open source software. You guys remember when that hit the news that people Mm -hmm. were taking software that was free, they were reloading it on the Microsoft Software Store and charging people for open source and free software. Some of them, of course, were adding in additional things like ads and other stuff on top of it. I also see it heavily with 
uh, ad blockers. So there's a lot of times that in the browser world, people try to spoof ad blockers. So someone will go out and recommend one and then people will go spoof it. And so people who are just following advice they find on the internet and they see, let's again, just as an example, you block origin and just, oh, that's it. That's the one they talked about. Click it, install it, maybe getting the one that's actually a fake. This is a big problem people need to be really worried about and concerned with when they're installing extensions there. Jill, you know what we don't have to be worried and concerned about? What, Ryan? Hitting paywalls with awesome games like the one you're about to talk about. Yes, absolutely. So a long time ago, yes, in a galaxy far, far away, mm. there was gaming without paywalls, Ryan. Pepperidge Farms. What? <laughs> It was Seems a time like a where you had to sp <laughs> spend hours mastering levels, and if you ran out of lives, you had to start all the way back I mean, at the beginning. Dun, that part dun, wasn't dun. great. Not that part fun. was great because if you had a game genie, then you could, you could hack it. That yeah, was yeah. like the first hack us as kids. There weren't paywalls by the comp by the the game developers. There's paywalls because the company third party was like, "Yeah, no one wants to do this, so we're gonna make the game yeah. genie." <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually forgot about the Game Genie existence. So you said that, like, oh my goodness, Same yes, here. the Game Genie was so yeah, awesome. That was the life, right? You got yeah. a Game yeah. Genie code, and you had the little book you'd look up the codes with, or you could call Nintendo Power and get some codes mm -hmm. sometimes to skip. Yeah. Low. It's awesome. Whew, the good old wow. days. So, in tribute to those amazing day days of gaming, we have Juan Sin Medio. A pixel graphics 2D platformer that is sure to get that nostalgia kicking. And uh, one of the reviews, this was what was really fun about this game. One of the reviews says, it is good, but also extremely difficult and punishing. You have nice. been warned. <laughs> Just like, like hosting that. with Michael. That would be my <laughs> yeah. exact comment. On this. Yeah. yeah. For those who are watching the uh, <laughs> listening to the audio version and not watching the show, you can't see my face, but I'm very disappointed in Ryan right now. <laughs> So disappointed. That's your disappointed face. I said Aww. disappointed. I didn't say disappointed. No, what? my daughter used to say disappointed when she was like three, and so that's why I said that you're. Oh, okay, face. okay. Well, that's adorable, and yeah, I'm not disappointed kind of in your daughter, but yeah. I am still disappointed in you. Yeah. So Aww. the game has a has a different name. Juan Sin Miedo, right? Is, did I do it right? Guadalajara. Mm -hmm. Yes. Michael, hey, there Guadalajara. you go. That, it's been works. a while since you, we said yeah. that. There, good job, Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely, Ryan. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm practicing there. I'm getting better. So, yeah, the, this game is about uh, the devil that arrives on Earth on the night of the Day of the Dead and kidnaps the beloved Princess Fifi. Oh, and Fifi. it's up up to you, the cowardly peasant Juan, to save the princess and put an end to the devil's evil. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, to be fair, it's, it, Juan That's wouldn't be very story. cowardly if he's going to put the end to the devil's evil. I know, yeah. You know? That's all I'm, I'm saying. That's kind of that's, that's weirdly worded. Well, he was you know? a coward until they took Fifi. If they took Fufu, we wouldn't care. But they took Fifi. <laughs> Fifi. And Fifi. Exactly. Like, exactly. And once they took Fifi, Juan's like, nah, you've gone too far. <laughs> Even though I'm a coward, I'm going to fight now because you took Fifi. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so there's there's lots of levels of monsters, obstacles, and traps that will, you know, stop Juan in his tracks and mm -hmm. make, uh, make a... Make it hard work for him. <laughs> so um, make sure uh, it's it. Make sure to go boot up Steam and and put your skills to the test in the age of Save the Princess Story Online. <laughs> yes, 
So this would be a great game for the Steam Deck. Unfortunately, <laughs> they don't have a Game Genie to connect into the Steam Deck yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, but actually maybe they have a Game Shark instead. Oh, the Game Shark. I forgot about the Game oh. Shark. Yeah. I was thinking as soon as you mentioned that, I was like, what was the other one? What was the other one? Yeah. <laughs> game he, Shark was fun yeah, too. Yeah, Game Shark. You got oh seven God. levels full of monsters, obstacles, and traps. So this is like the old school version of Elden Ring or one of the games in yeah. that genre uh, where they're really difficult to to beat. But people are like, hey, this game in my genre is really difficult to beat. And I'm like, welcome to my genre. Try playing Mario Brothers 1. And when you die, you go all, all the way the back, way to, back the to the beginning. You don't get no nice starting point. There's no <laughs> yes. save. Your mom tells you to turn it off and you're right at the end boss because it's bedtime. Guess what? You started all over the next day. That's how yeah. it was. wasn't great. <laughs> Speaking of awesome things being open sourced in our software spotlight, one of the big issues, and we've run into this ourselves, that developers and content creators in open source have to contend with is wanting analytics on users, but without invading the user's privacy. This is a big problem in the open source world because all the solutions that are out there, like I don't want to go have to develop my own solution for it, but all the ones that are out there pre-made are all extraordinarily invasive for the most part. And that's where Sweetrix Analytics comes in and they're trying to solve this problem. Sweetrix is an open source analytics service for your web application. It's cookie-less and has lots of beautiful analytics and charts that will help you to translate the data that it pulls. Uh, into something that's meaningful. And in addition, this is pretty, this blew me away. It has compliance with GDPR data and processing based in EU zone, HIPAA, mm -hmm. protecting sensitive information, PCI DSS wow. payment data security, and CCPA, control over the personal information there. Wow. And there's a free version up to 10 websites, but you also have some paid options as well. And I'm totally for that. Somebody has created this. It's open source. It's focusing on privacy. You can go and look through the code yourself. Um, and you don't have to worry about it stealing your user's data so you can respect it there. Michael, we've had, I don't know, dozens of conversations about this type of product oh, trying yeah. to deploy mm -hmm. something to protect our users. But also, we want to know how many people are visiting our sites and other things. I was thinking just one of those GeoCities uh, big counters in neon that used to pop up the little pop-ups in the corner yeah, yeah. that's how we yeah, know how much data cool. analytics we have that's yeah. all you need it's that's all you need the little, little hit counter it's all yes, we need the hit counter <laughs> Get uh, <a> hit counter <laughs> when it got to 20 million you know you thought you were the 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 stuff and then you realized it was all bots and fake or the or yeah. the counter at the bottom the way bottom of the web page back in yes. the 90s mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and then you have the debate of whether or not geocities versus angel fire and then i just never oh yeah. angel fire all the way man i mean come on Way more I mean, gifts. I got I got pretty good at GeoCities because you could just use JavaScript to hide away that pop up, and it would look like <laughs> you have a special website. I'm, you know, there there pros and cons, you know. Yeah, pros and cons. <laughs> but what do you but think? But this about is really this, cool. Michael? I think it's awesome, and the terms of like the having an open source analytics software, this is something that we've needed for a long time, and there are other options that have been around for a while, but they seem to have a little bit of hit and miss because this has the free version up to 10 websites. And I'm curious what the add-on system works like, because if it's if it's a reasonable cost for the add-ons and uh, or the extra paid options like the pro options, then I would be very interested in this because the other ones that are in this space that are open source have kind of expensive add-ons where you could pay, you know, 
200 to 300 dollars per add-on and that just seems kind of counterintuitive so their pricing is for freelancer it goes to 15 dollars a month that gives you everything in their hobby plan which is a hundred thousand and you get a hundred thousand visits per month up to 20 websites 10 alerting rules and by buying this you're supporting of course the small business in the startup, they give you a million visits per month and 50 alerting rules, and then you get everything from the freelance as well. And then for $110 a month for enterprise, you get everything in the startup plan plus 5 million visits per month and add up to 30 websites and 100 alerting rules there. So seems to be fairly That's, reasonably priced. That is pretty good. For, for this type of product. Now, I want to make it clear, we've not used this yet. Uh, right. we just It's available. It looks really it's promising. It's something we cool. wanted to tell you about because it yeah. looks cool. Also, the website's impressive, too. Yes. I was so impressed with how detailed, you know, the graphs were and all the information. Like, I ran the live demo, and in the OS name category, not only does it show the state stats of Linux and how many Linux users have come to the site, but in of individual distros like Ubuntu. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's really awesome, because usually you have to pay for that kind of support. Absolutely. So, and and I think it was cool that you could change it to a pie chart view instead of a line view. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks great. It looks like it has a lot mm-hmm. of details. The fact that it's open source is also really interesting. Yeah. And I will be <laughs> testing it out to see how, like, how valuable it is compared to the other options like Matomo, uh, which is really mm-hmm. good too. But there are, and there are other ones as well. But the, the you know, the, the biggest, elephant in the room is how well does it compare to Google Analytics? You know, Mm -hmm. we kind of have to, like, I want to test it out to see how close it is. But even if it's even remotely close, then it's worth checking out because the most of the time there's always some kind of limitation. And this seems to be very robust and I can't wait to try it. The other rumor that I heard, I couldn't get it verified in their site, but it was being talked about in the Reddit forum is that they may be working on a ad network system that also would keep people's privacy, but allow you to connect into and monetize your stuff. And oh. what a great, great pivot if they do that, because my yes. gosh, this is something that's so desperately needed in the community, something where we can put ads in there, but like DuckDuckGo, they're privacy respecting ads. They're just random ads that show up but you still got some monetization coming on your site. Or yeah. it doesn't even have to be completely random. They could be based on some of the very uh, private information that you capture with this tool and then be able to monetize those. That would be genius. Uh, and the great thing about this software and the way it's written, because it captures so little data on the users is from a privacy standpoint, it doesn't get blocked by ad blockers either. So ad blockers have no effect on this software kicking off and running, which is pretty cool too. That that's fantastic. I mean the the idea of having an ethical ad network that integrates with this analytics stuff that would be fantastic because having this analytics is great because it allows you to make the decisions on what you see in your audience and whether or not you're make one one decision is better than the other and then having to be be able to do this ad and everything if they do that that'd be amazing because you can actually have a an ethical option that doesn't require any of the existing ad networks. We won't mention any of them because that would be worth, uh, not you know, worth our time. They're not worth our not, time. Yes, exactly. We spit in their general direction. They, I, I, <laughs> I like how you 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 just gave the sound of spitting. Rather, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Otherwise, people wouldn't know what we were talking about. Uh, exactly. Exactly. But Michael, you know when we were talking about privacy problems earlier, and like you had all those extensions installed. One of those was ones I had spoofed to get a malware on your machine. Unfortunately, oh. though, it generated like millions of lines that, yeah. of logs, and I don't mm. know how to clear them. I've got all your personal data, but I don't know how to clear it. How can I do that, Michael? I'll help you out here. And in Thank fact, you. I'll do so in the tip of the week. So this week's tip is maybe you want to clear out some large log files that you got from putting malware on your friend's computer. Uh, and, you, and you also clear some text files with all of its content, but you don't want to delete the file itself. Well, you can do this by using the command colon and then greater than symbol and then mylog.txt or whatever the name of the app, the file is. And that will help you be able to not, you know, show the, your friends that you've had malware on their computer. And it, it's, a, it's a good way to, Thank you, Michael. you know, mm-hmm. it's a good way to really show that your friendship is true. You know. I wanted to go through all your log files, but now I want to delete it all so other people can't steal your personal data. Oh, oh I see. So you were doing, doing me a solid. <laughs> doing you a solid I here get by you, asking. I get you so now I'll do Aww. the full colon and then the greater than symbol and then the michaelsecretfiles.txt and completely erase that out right there from the terminal really easily. Perfect. The reason why, now you can also just do the greater than symbol and the txt file, but if you use the colon, it's universal no matter what shell you're using. If you just use the greater than symbol and the name of the text file to clear it out, that works in bash for sure. But some of the other shells may not work in. See, Ryan, we needed Michael AI to explain this to us. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's not really Michael here. That's Michael AI. This is actually, this is. That's not uh, Michael. Michael. Really? Avatar. I'm I'm just, uh, for those who don't know, uh, this is a deep fake. (laughs) <laughs> that the yes. AI bot is doing. Just it's a very good deep fake. Speaking of paywalls and locking mm-hmm. things behind DLC, we, we talked I about I thought you were gonna say speaking of deep fakes, let's speaking talk about deep fakes. <laughs> we're gonna deep fake ourselves to an event this year. We're gonna be at scale, folks. So you're That's gonna right. want to come to scale to meet the DL crew there. Who are we kidding? You really want to meet Jill. We know. And we're all going to be there at the 20th Annual Southern California Linux Expo. And it's going to take place March 9th through the 12th at the Pasadena Convention Center. And this is what really gets me every time in Mm -hmm. Pasadena, California. It's so so easy to remember. Pasadena, Pasadena. You can't can't lose here. You come out and (laughs) hang out with us. Have the best time of your life. Greatest time of your life. I don't care what else has time. happened in your life. You yeah. had your kids it, born. You got to watch it. it. Is, yes, that's sweet. But if you come see yeah. us, greatest time of your life. It is absolutely Linux no comparison. You could go to Mecca. Disneyland, and that still won't be as fun it's as true. going to scale and meeting. This, this is true. Even I agree. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> see that. That. Scale, that scale, is, scale is my home. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes. So you get to see Jill and you can find Jill by looking for the penguin hat, which she actually does wear on scale there. Mm -hmm. So a big Mm -hmm. thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at tuxdigital.com slash live. And the best part is everyone's invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. You can see all of our mistakes live. Why wouldn't you want to? That's the most fun you could have besides going to scale and meeting us in person. And it's every week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. Yeah. 
It'll be the best time you've ever had going to scale. And the second best time is going to watch this show live at tuxedo.com slash live. And we don't make mistakes, Ryan. Yeah. That's we, we make for those happy who little do, accidents. Yeah, no, 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 no. For those oh. who are only listening to the that they published episodes on, you know, the podcast or the YouTube, that's the actual thing. When you watch this live, it's exactly that same. I don't do any editing. Yes, I mentioned that I, I'm, I'm an editor of the show, but I don't ever edit anything. Yeah, so, so stop complaining about how much time it takes you, Michael. <laughs> okay, I edit a lot. Ryan makes tons of mistakes. <laughs> And okay, sometimes I do too, but not often. I do but, too. <laughs> not you. But you can <laughs> not you, Jill. Happy little accidents. <laughs> happy little accidents. Are you doing like a Bob Ross thing? Happy little yes. trees. Happy little, <laughs> happy little accident. Well, if you join us live, you can also join us in our patron only virtual stadium by becoming a Patron at tuxdigital.com slash contribute. And after the show, after the live show, you can join us in our patron-only post-show where you can hang out with us every week after the show. We also have unedited versions. I mean, as I said, they're not edited, but you can get the other ones that are like a little bit of extra totally content. Totally unedited. Extra yeah, yeah, it's content, just, yeah. That's just extra. We just give it as a bonus DLC. And you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to do that. And we have a fantastic store where you can get all the fantastic merch that we have. We have hoodies, coasters, hats, stickers, uh, t-shirts. I mean, basically anything you can think of within reason. Get our merchandise on Batman. (laughs) If you want to be cool like Batman, get our merchandise. (laughs) For those those who aren't watching and just listening, go back, go to the YouTube channel to watch watch that particular section where Ryan was uh, Batman for a second. Uh, it will be yes. worth it. He's a very <laughs> and, good Batman. Thank you. And it's be- and it's definitely worth it to go to the store, tuxedos.com slash store to get some awesome swag. And make sure to check out all our wonderful shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts Game Sphere, and our virtual Linux user group, Linux Saloon. So everyone head to TextDigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a wonderful new year. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Love you. Most of you.